0: The following audio is from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Axe is available at actschurchleander.com.
1: Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world, He has given us of his spirit, and we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them, and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister, is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister, whom they have seen, cannot love God, whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister.
0: Good morning, guys. We're going to start off uh, today doing something similar to what we did last week, where I've got a question for you. Uh, I want you guys to get to know each other a little bit. So, question. Stand up, introduce yourself to someone sitting near you. And what is one of your favorite stores, restaurants, or location in the Austin area? We'll take about three minutes, and I promise this is going to connect directly to the message. So stand up, introduce yourself to someone, and uh, let them know what you're passionate about. All right, guys. I'm going to ask you guys to come back in, and we're going to open with a quick word of prayer uh, just before we dive into God's Word. I'd ask you guys to pray with me. Heavenly Father, Lord we thank you for being a God who has plans. Lord, we thank you for being a God uh, who uh, entrusted those plans with his church. And so, Lord, as we uh, dive deep into your word, dive deep into uh, your plan for this world, Lord, we pray that you open our eyes. Lord, that we connect you uh, through the message, Lord, through communion, through the worship, uh, and through the body of Christ, each and every one of us uh, in those interactions together. Uh, Lord, we say this all in Your Son's precious name. Amen. So the reason why I started off with that question, what's your favorite spot, is because if that spot just disappeared, you would notice, right? So for me, Brooklyn Heights, I love their happy hour. A lot of you in this room know how much I love Brooklyn Heights happy hour, right? And if it disappeared, there would be a hole in my life. But that question was once posed to me when I was in seminary. I had an idea of what kind of church I wanted to be a part of, what type of ministry I was going to do. In my last year of seminary, I had a friend call me up and he asked me this question. He said, Josh, in how many cities in America, if the local church disappeared tomorrow, would the surrounding communities not even notice? Think about that for a moment. How many churches, Lutheran, Baptist, Catholic, take your pick, if they were just gone tomorrow, would the community not miss a beat? Schools would go on the same, their local neighbors would go on the same. Maybe a CVS would move in, there'd be more convenient grocery shopping. This idea that how many churches have so little impact in their local community that if they just disappeared, nothing would change. And that thought was so convicting to me that it changed my course of career as a pastor. And in fact, it's one of the reasons why I took the interview to Axe Church Leander, because I didn't know a ton about this church, but I knew one answer. Because of what was happening in Acts of Love, the other side of the building, if Axe Church disappeared, there would at least be a handful of moms and babies who would notice. This was a church that was committed to saying, we believe that we're supposed to leave an impact. And that impact changes how we relate to our communities. We're in a series called Entrusted with the Future. We've been looking at our goals, looking at the question, well, what makes a good church? Is it the pastor? Is it the band? Is it the building? Is it the people? What makes an effective church? Last week, we looked at this goal of our people reflecting Christ, and we said, you know what? A good church connects people to God. A good church connects people to others in the body of Christ because we were designed to be connected to each other. And a good church equips disciples of Christ to be sent out. This week we're looking at that second goal. What does it look like for our community partners to flourish? And really today the message is going to be, why is that important? When you're looking at Jesus' ministry, you're looking at his time here on earth, He gathered a uh, following. But the religious folk, they weren't always in tune with what Jesus was doing. They weren't always all right with what Jesus was doing. And so they came to trap him. They came to trick him. They got together. And hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, which was one group of religious pastors, the Pharisees, which is a different group of religious pastors, show up. They get together. And one of them, an expert in the law, tested him, this being Jesus, with this question, Teacher. Teacher which is the greatest commandment in the law? The law was the Old Testament, all the regulations, all the rules. And this is what Jesus says. He says, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. So this is the first and the greatest commandment. Right? So to be connected to God, to be in love with God, to be in tune with God. But he goes, But the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. Then he says all the law, all the prophets, everything from the Old Testament, the first half of God's story, it all hangs on these two commandments. Everything God was doing, everything he was up to, was that to have an end cause that people would love him and that people would love each other. And so when we talk about these two big goals, our people reflect Christ. And the only way you reflect Christ is if you are connected to him. Is if you are forgiven by him. If you are loved by him. And from that foundation of love and forgiveness, you start to become like him. But then the second one, Our Community Partners Flourish, comes out of this idea that God wants us to love our neighbors. That he has a plan for us. That we aren't supposed to simply disappear and have no impact no god has called us in fact ephesians tells us he has prepared good works for us to do and those good works are seen through the lens of love your neighbor as yourself so we're going to talk through what that looks like we're going to talk through some myths that sometimes get in the way of the church as an institution to figuring out how we love our community and the first myth is that the church is solely concerned with spiritual issues. That the church's primary, in fact, the church's only goal is spiritual things. Things like praying. Things like reading your Bible. The spiritual reality of the world. And there is a group of Christians that will tell you with a straight face that God doesn't really care about what happens here on earth. That he only cares about the soul. That he only cares about the spirit. But what you see in Jesus in his ministry doesn't reflect that and certainly is not reflected in his followers' ministry. This comes from James and he's talking to the early church and he says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith, claims to have that spiritual stuff, but has no deeds? Can such a faith save him? Right? Now you could say, well, deeds, well, maybe he's talking about prayer, or maybe he's talking about reading the Bible, but then he clarifies, no, let me give you an example. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes, or daily food, if one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm, be well fed, I'll pray for you, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. This doesn't mean you don't pray for folks. This doesn't mean there isn't a spiritual component, but my brothers and sisters, we have a God who is about action. We have a God who cares about what is happening here in the physical world. And the truth of the matter is that the church's role is a earthly space. God has placed us here in this geographical location for a reason, Leander, Texas, because he wants us to have an impact, because he has prepared something for us to physically do through the lens of love your neighbor as yourself. And good works are not the gospel, right? The story of who Jesus is, the story of a God who fights for people, who fights for individuals, who's willing to die for the brokenness and the sin, who's willing to die for our brokenness and our sin. That's the gospel. That's the good news. And good works are not the gospel, but here is the truth. Good works are an amazing platform for the gospel. Because once people realize how much you love them, once they see God's people fighting for them, questions like, why are you doing this? Why are you sacrificing yourself for me? Why are you showing up? Well, we get to tell the story of a God who showed up for us, who fought for us, and then who sends us out to fight for the world to love our neighbor as ourselves. So you have one group of Christians that says, no, uh, Christianity is all about the spiritual side. But then you have another side that says, no, the church is solely concerned with the physical matters, with earthly matters. And so we really don't need to talk about Jesus. We don't need to share his story. We just need to feed the hungry. We just need to build houses. And they separate the spiritual from the physical. But again, you don't see Christ And his ministry reflect that. And you don't see the early church's ministry reflect that. Paul is writing to the church of Ephesians. He says God has prepared good works, good activity for you to do. But then he directly ties that good activity with a spiritual reality. He says this in Ephesians 6, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against the mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. He says the physical problems of this world, they have a spiritual malady. They have a spiritual connection. There is no divide between what's happening on earth and what's happening in the spiritual realm. They're connected, Paul says. And so as a church, yes, we lean into physical matters, but we realize that the root cause is something called sin. This thing that separates us from God, that separates us from each other, and that separates us from our community. And the only way we're going to eternally see the earthly matter settled is if the gospel, the good news, starts to repair that. If Jesus starts to repair that, first in our lives, with us admitting, God, I need a God who specializes in broken people because I'm broken. I need forgiveness. I need love. I need a God who fights for me. But then he sends us out to fight for others, and it's a spiritual connection. One of the clearest examples I've seen of this is through the Nehemiah Project. The sister church of ours, It was back in the 80s. New York City, slums of New York. And they were going through all kinds of hurt, all kinds of trouble. And a parish was seeing that there were some very direct, earthly needs in the people in the surrounding communities, especially around homelessness. And so you had a lot of people either in Section 8 housing, dependent on the government to take care of them, and at their beck and call, or simply they couldn't find anywhere to live. There was no affordable housing, And the church was looking at a landfill. This massive acre after acre after acre of landfill. And they got the idea that they could build houses and turn this landfill into a community. And they were going to be able to build these houses at about one-third the cost of the going market rate. They had the right partnerships. They had the right funding model. And so they started to build these houses. And the pastors were working with this Jewish contractor And my pastor friend was meeting with him one day and the bureaucracy of the city and all the regulations and other contractors who were coming in and they weren't happy that houses were being built cheaper than what they could sell them for, right? And so there was this dissonance in the community and all this bureaucracy and all this political meh was coming in. And this Jewish contractor is sitting across from the pastor and he goes, dude, what is happening here? This is ridiculous. We were trying to build homes for affordable families, We were trying to put people on a different track. And the pastor looked across and he quoted him the Ephesians 6 verse. He goes, well, you know, we're not fighting earthly powers here. This isn't about the people we're dealing with across the table. This is a spiritual battle we're fighting. And so he quotes Ephesians 6, right, against the evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against the mighty powers in this dark world, against the evil spirits in heavenly places. And this Jewish contractor, he's like, where is that from? He goes, well, it's from the New Testament. He goes, I love that. He says, my son does calligraphy. And so he had his son write in calligraphy this verse and he put it behind his office desk. And so when these city councilmen and these other contractors would come in and if they started giving him grief, if they started just making more bureaucratic tape, he would point at the sign and he would say like, we are fighting against spiritual authorities. Don't be on their side. Because even he realized that the physical and the spiritual were connected. And so as a church, yes, we are going to lean into physical areas, physical brokenness, but we also realize that there is a deeply spiritual problem that's happening. And only our Lord, only our Savior is going to be the one who will ultimately be able to rectify that. So on one side you have this idea that the church's external goal is only spiritual, then you have some that says only physical, and this last one is a little more insidious. That community building is something that needs to be done overseas, but not in the States. To be completely honest with you, it is easier to build a school in Africa in the church than it is to help the school next door. It is easier to send doctors to China than it is to get the church to care for the sick in its own neighborhood easier to feed a child in Africa, or in India, than it is to figure out what to do with the family here. Now, hear me clearly. God has sent us to the ends of the world. It is not a problem with building an orphanage in Africa. Praise God. It is not a problem with feeding a child in India. Praise God. But at the end of the day, our neighbor is the first person that God has placed in our lives, right? Jesus' command is to love your neighbor, which is interesting that he doesn't say to love the world as yourself, which actually is a good thing because we can't love the world, right? Even as a church, if he said, hey, you're in charge of loving all six billion people, good luck, we are in trouble, right? Our job is not to love the world, it's God's job to love the world, It's Jesus' job. He is big enough to care for and love individually every single person and care for every single person. But what he says to us, the church, is he goes, but you are to love your neighbor. And those same Pharisees, those same religious lures were trying to figure out, so who's my neighbor? And he tells this story of the Good Samaritan where two people from two different countries end up crossing paths. One gets hurt and the other cares for him. And he says, that's your neighbor. You want to know who your neighbor is? Anyone God brings into your life. Your neighbor is your next door neighbor. Your neighbor is your coworker. Your neighbor is your customer. Your neighbor is the guy who cuts you off driving down the street. Your neighbor is the person on Twitter who doesn't believe the same political things you do. (laughs) people God brings into your orbit, those are the people he says to love as yourself. You're not in charge of the whole world, but you do have influence, you do have opportunity to love the people in your sphere of influence. And so it doesn't become an either-or, It's not like, okay, so we either love people here or we love people in Africa. As God opens up doors, we go. Because Jesus said to his disciples, you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem, your city, Judea, your state, Israel, your country, and to the ends of the world. And so we say, yes, we are a global church, global and local, and we want to find neighbors that God has opened up to our lives, that he's put in our orbit that we get to lean into. Our community partners flourish. So what does this look like? Well, our community partner 1A is Acts of Love. That's the reason why I'm here. This belief that we as a church love the orphan and the widow. That James, just a little bit before he says that verse I read before, he says true religion is caring for the orphan and the widow. And our modern-day widows... Our modern-day orphans are very much the moms in high school, the dads in high school. And so we lean into those situations, and we want those families to flourish. We want those children to flourish. We want to put them in an opportunity to thrive and to succeed. Beyond that, we've got a new partnership with Baghdad Elementary School, where we've showed up, and we've said, we're going to tie our success to the success of your kids because we believe God wants to fight for your children. We have a God who fights for us, and so we're going to fight for them. We have overseas mission partners. We had a team that just got back from Guatemala. And from all reports, God is opening up new doors, new partnerships, new neighbors that we get to lean into and love. And so we want to look at those overseas mission partners and saying, how are we supporting you? How are we building up your organization? How are we building mutually beneficial relationships where it's not a bunch of Americans showing up in a community and like, oh, we're going to do a nice thing for you for a little bit. No, you are a part of the body of Christ. You are part of what God is doing, and you can bless us just as much as we can bless you. It just might look a little bit different. And so we want those partnerships to flourish. And Axe Church is a church plant. We've planted churches, and we are going to continue to plant churches. And so we want our church plants to flourish. We want Acts Church Lakeline to flourish. We want the network to flourish. And we want to say, God, we believe the kingdom is still expanding, and it's going to look different than it did five years ago. But we are going to continue to plant churches. We're going to continue to send kingdom workers into the field. To prepare the harvest that more may hear this good news of this guy named Jesus who fights for them, who redeems them. And last but not least, God has placed us in a geographical spot. We've got neighbors within a mile, two miles of this church. And we want this space to be a space that they know is there for them. And so we've got acts of love that meets in the morning and in the afternoon. And that's awesome. But we want to use the evening time. We already have a Spanish Bible study that meets here. We should have things like yoga and experimenting with what that would look like. We might have the Boy Scouts come and meet. But this reality that we want to be good geographical neighbors, that we want to be a place of refuge, a place of sanctuary. We want our community partners to flourish because our God wants our community to flourish. You see that throughout the entire ministry of Jesus. You see that throughout the entire ministry of the first disciples in the New Testament. And guys, our Christian heritage, we helped create hospitals. We helped create schools. We helped leave every situation, every community better because the body of Christ showed up. Just like everywhere Jesus went, things got better. And so that's where we're headed in 2019. Heavenly Father, Lord, you are a good God. You are a God who fights for us even when we're in open rebellion. Lord, even when our own anger, our own worst thinking, our own selfishness, our own greed get in the way, Lord, you still fight for us. You still forgive us. And so first we come before you in confession and just saying, God, we're not perfect. We still need a God who saves and redeems us. And yet, God, because you fight for us, because you were sent to save us, He said that as the Father has sent you, now you send us out. And so we pray for the boldness and the courage to fight for our community, to love our community in the same sacrificial love that you gave us. Lord, our reading from Scripture today said, this is love, not that we loved you, not that we reached up to you, but that you reached down to us. That since we have been loved that deeply, we ought to love our brothers and our sisters. And so we pray for that love to transcend this place, to emanate from this building, Lord, to be the mark of this church. Lord, we say this all in your son's precious name. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others and stay connected with us at actschurchleander.com.